This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odson Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show today. It's a Tuesday evening when we're recording this because, hey, uh, we knew the college football playoff rankings would be coming out. This was relevant information. Probably the most important thing that Duck fans are paying attention to this week. And so we wanted to react to those rankings on the podcast. Uh, and we're going to do it live as we're recording. So Eric and I, we literally just pressed record at 4 o'clock p.m. The rankings come out at 4 o'clock. I'm watching ESPN's show stream out. A bunch of highlights. Oregon's been included in that. We expect Oregon to be in the top 10 at some place in these rankings. But until we see the rankings, we are also going to kind of go over the injury news that we learned from Dan Lanning's press conference on Monday. There's a lot to digest here. We have to discuss Seven McGee's departure from the Oregon football program, what that means for Oregon. And then if time permits, we'll dive into a little bit of Colorado talk on what Oregon will be facing and who Oregon will be facing uh, Saturday afternoon in Boulder. Eric, let's dive right into the injuries because there's a lot here to digest. I mean, unfortunately, hey, it's November. These were going to start showing up. Oregon had relatively clean, injury-free football for a while, uh, but now injuries are starting to happen. Where do we want to – to go do we want to go Stephen Jones's return do we want to go Chase Coda do we want to go Taki do we want to go Jeff Bossa who's not hurt but is out for the first half because of suspension there's a lot of different directions we could go here my gosh yeah I, I you know and, and I will say like relative to other programs Oregon's been really healthy this year and even yeah. with their current status right now it remains probably more healthy than I would imagine 90 percent of teams in the Pac-12 like it's pretty minimal what you're dealing with in terms of you've had like a handful of D linemen, not even that who've been out for most of the, or the entire season. But uh, let's start with kind of what we heard from Dan Lanning on Tuesday. And then I'll get into what we saw. Or sorry, we heard from him on Monday and then what we saw on Tuesday morning um, earlier today. Uh, Lanning was asked about Chase Cota. He was asked about Stephen Jones. He was asked about Taki Daimani. These are all guys that enter this week with injury questions. And Dan gave a very kind of limited answer he said those guys are to be determined all those guys are working to get back i don't know how long some of those guys will be so we'll wait and see i don't want to guess too early well if i'm guessing after tuesday's practice which i'm going to go ahead and do i i don't think any of those players play this weekend um Taimani, should they is the question well should they but i don't even know if they'll be available and probably they don't need to is the answer we'll get to if we do yes. end up getting to colorado talk we can talk about some of the why behind that but Coda and Taimani were not at practice. We didn't see them. Well, media was there for about 20 minutes to start. Um, I Typically, if you if you don't take part in these practices, you don't play. The one kind of uh, exception recently being DJ Johnson did not practice on last Wednesday and then did practice in the game. We'll get to DJ because there's another note with him in a second. Um, 
But those two players, Koda and Taki, weren't even at practice. So I think that's an early indication that it's unlikely those guys play. Uh, Koda's dealt with a, a knee injury that he suffered the first quarter uh, in Berkeley, and Taki suffered that ankle injury against UCLA. Stephen Jones was actually at practice and in uniform for the first time since early September, which was a great sign to see. But he was not in pads, and he was off the sign doing rehab stuff. I still think he's at least a week, maybe two away. I think maybe you can expect to see him maybe against Washington or Utah, Oregon State, something like that. And even then, I wonder, does he displace Marcus Harper, who's been playing, I think, pretty well at left guard, which is a question we can talk about once we get there. So that's kind of the latest with those three. And then I also have to include DJ Johnson was not at practice on Tuesday either. Um, you meant, I mentioned his name a moment ago. Obviously, Oregon's best pass rusher, one of their best you know players in the front seven. He was kind of in and out of the lineup. I mean, how many times did he go down in Berkeley? A couple times, twice. It seemed like I, yeah, I think it was twice. You know, it, and so it was notable. Yeah, and so he wasn't at practice on Tuesday. Like I said, he didn't he didn't practice, or at least we missed him on Wednesday of the previous week, and he still played against Cal. But I don't think it's a guarantee DJ plays. That's just about it, though, from an injury perspective. You've got those four guys. You've got Popo, who's been out for the year. There's a couple other names that everybody listening knows that haven't been available for a really long time. I don't think any status has changed at all. But Coda is the one I think that's new. I don't expect him to be available. Taki, I don't either. Stephen Jones. And I think DJ Johnson, I would say, is probably the most likely to play just because he has a history of missing a practice and still playing. We did, he did that this most recent game. But that's more of a one of if it's like an iffy one. Do you do you need DJ in this game, or, or can you get by with Mace and Braden Swinson and, and maybe Amari and Winston's a name to maybe know he made right. the trip to Cal? So that's kind of where I'm at with with the injury stuff. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think you you play Coda if he's like if this is a situation. It's like hey, he could play. We could throw him out there. He's going to be limited. I don't think you play Coda in that in that regard. I don't think that you play Stephen Jones for sure, yeah. uh, and you don't play Taki. You know, this is a, a get healthy week for those guys, and I would almost throw in DJ into that mix. Um, I I think maybe we saw Oregon do this last year, different staff, so that's different philosophy. We don't know things here, but we know KT had a game last year where he basically was only out there for like third down pass rush situations mm -hmm. that might be what you do with dj johnson like hey only on third down and only when we think it's a pass rush are we going to put you out there because we want to limit the impact that you have and the possibility that you maybe make things worse but even then colorado's just so bad i i, I you should be able to win this game without those four players and no offense to Colorado, but Oregon should win this game by more than three scores without those four players. And so for me, don't play them, rest them, make sure that they're healthy for the stretch run where you're going to have to play three teams in the top 15 uh, in, in Utah or two teams in the top 15 in Utah and um, potentially uh, Oregon state or maybe not an Oregon State, but a USC or a UCLA in the Pac-12 championship game. So get healthy, get get ready, reload for this big game here, you know, that you've got at Oxen in a couple weeks. You know, it, it, you don't want to throw shade on Colorado, but that's just the reality. They're not good. Don't You don't need them. 
And then Jeffrey Boss said they did appeal the targeting suspension, and Dan made yep. this very – it was a quick, easy exchange. Was, did you guys appeal? Yes. Was it successful? No. And that was the extent <laughs> of it. Um, you know, he was asked specifically, like, what was it about the play? And he said it was based strictly on the technique and, and basically Bassa using his helmet like that. It was almost – it was more of a protecting the defensive player and trying to make sure that doesn't become a reoccurring thing than it was anything that was kind of done to the offensive player. Obviously, it doesn't feel good to get speared in the back by someone's helmet, but, um, you know, the helmet, you want to be careful with neck injuries with a guy like Boston. So he will miss the first half of this upcoming weekend's game against Colorado. Um, a couple of names just to know who maybe we're filtering in here for some of these injured players. Uh, I think it was notable from Lanning that the two names he mentioned for Coda, if he does miss time, were Dante Thornton and Josh Delgado. He also mentioned Chris Hudson did a really nice job filling in on the outside after being a slot guy for the entire season, basically, when he needed to in the second half or majority of the last weekend's game. So those are probably three names to know in the passing game. At linebacker for Bossa, you're looking at Flo, you're looking at Keith Brown, you're looking at Jackson LaDuke. Those are the three names to probably watch. So this could be a game where Flo plays quite a bit, depending upon yeah. what, what his health situation is. Um, if DJ can't go, I've already mentioned it. Funa's going to play more. Swinson's going to play more. I think Amarian Winston's a guy who might play more. Um, and then, What about know, Devin Jackson, Harrison Taggart? Uh, those guys haven't played in about a month. So I'm not counting on either one of those two. I think it's a good question. Um, Devin's a guy who played the first four games. And I kind of just am not sure what they're doing with him here. Because it's like, I think they're just holding off on that red shirt line. That's my hypothesis. Is He's got to four. Do they need to play him? Do they want to reserve his red shirt? What are they kind of deciding to do there? So he's one that I would maybe watch for if they need it, if there's like another injury. But I think you feel decent with Flo Brown and LaDuke. And then uh, I want to just shout out, I thought Keanu Williams played really well uh, in place of Taki this last game. I wrote a little story up on him. The stats don't really you know relay some of the stuff he did. In fact, Matt, I was looking back to the box score, and there was a play in the third quarter where Keanu ran into uh, Jack Plummer, knocked the ball out. Plummer retreated 10 yards and recovered it, and they just said Plummer fumbled it on his own and recovered it and didn't give Oregon credit for a sack or, 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 or a forced fumble. So Keanu doesn't get any credit for that sequence, apparently. But um, that was, I thought, a pretty solid game from him. He's another player to look out for. And then the last of our player personnel this is a lot a lot more than we've had most weeks recently um seven mcgee has left the program and this is i don't know if it's a huge shock if you're following really really closely if you haven't been he did not make the trip to berkeley there was some stuff on social media that was kind of sort of indicated this might be coming dan lanny confirmed this on monday night he said he's no longer with us i wish him the best moving forward but i won't speak on it any more than that yeah, I mean, this is look. I don't want to say we saw this coming, but well, we saw it on Saturday. We kind of thought maybe. Yeah, you know, but this is a guy that entered the portal a couple times last year when Mario was leaving to Miami. Um, he was very cryptic during the week, and then we found out he didn't make the trip, and then we were like, "Oh, well, he's probably going to be on Portal Watch." And then Monday, that's what happens. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Oregon adjusts. And look, I, I thought Seven McGee had a ton of potential. Mm -hmm. um, Four-star recruit, really exciting spring game. You you saw things kind of materialize in the spring where you're like, hey, this is going to be a guy that that could do some stuff. And the key, where, key words there are could and potential. 
and they just never materialized for whatever reason. And it sounds harsh, but what does Oregon lose right now with his departure this season? Nothing, really. It, it puts a little strain on the depth chart. Um, it forces new players to, to work on kickoff and punt returns, which Troy Franklin was one of those guys at practice today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's new. I don't know if I really like that or not, but it it doesn't really change the operation of the program in its current state. Now down the road in 2023 and 2024 and 2025, absolutely it does. But this is this is recruiting, and this is why you recruit a bunch of four and five stars because some guys they just don't materialize as productive players at your school. They either just fizzle out and don't do anything in their careers, or they transfer like Seven McGee's. Hopefully, you see Seven McGee turn that potential into reality and, and real production wherever he lands next season. But his departure, I, I don't feel like changes much this year. Now, the Chase Coda injury right. opens the door for another guy that we've been kind of like, oh, well, let's see if he maybe enters the portal. Dante Thornton, who's been – hasn't seen a lot of action this season, which was kind of a surprise. Yeah. This is his opportunity to take a, a moment where – Unfortunately, your your teammate gets hurt, but this is your chance your your chance to show you why you should play more. The the irony of the seven timing is that with the Coda injury, let's say Hudson does play more on the outside, this could have been an opportunity for seven to actually play a little bit larger role. And yeah. and I think there's probably a lot of things behind this. And uh, you know, if you go watch the UCLA game, Nicks and McGee had a really heated exchange after some sort of miscommunication on a route in the third quarter that led to, I think, Oregon's only punt of the game uh, was a third down play, and that didn't look great. And then seven was the team's kickoff returner and yeah. didn't, I think made some pretty questionable decisions for taking some of those out and have seemingly lost that role. He was replaced by Delgado um, and, and Chris Hudson later in that game, and then this last week obviously didn't make the trip. So disappointed to see him go i think i again i'm I'm with matt i think there's a lot of potential there he was one of our breakout guys going into the season we had him it was one of mine (laughs) we we had him near the top of our depth chart in the receiving i think we had him going into fall camp as as one of our expected starters and then shifted it or maybe we had it during the summer you know coming out of spring i can't recall but we we thought he was going to play a bigger role didn't come together matt's right maybe this is a a short period of time here depending how long coda's out if if he is out i think he will be at least missing this upcoming game but Where's Dante Thornton kind of fit in? What can he do in an expanded role? He played a little bit more this last weekend. So um, that's kind of where we're at with the personnel stuff. Uh, I don't think there's really anything else from that regard. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break because live reaction happens next. Uh, college football play- playoff rankings are out. We know Oregon's position. And we'll talk about it on the other side of this break real quick. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Matt Prey, Eric Scopel on the show. Um, college football playoff rankings came out Monday afternoon on ESPN. And it, it, the question for Oregon wasn't where will they be ranked? It's it's where will they be ranked? And, you know, I, I think I was pretty confident inside the top 10, but at the same time i was kind of thinking like maybe there's a chance they don't get in because of that 49 to 3 top 10 ranking i mean you, you never know but nonetheless oregon checks in number 8 or the highest ranked pac 12 team in the college football playoff rankings usc is right behind them at number 9 uh and then we've got the top six being Tennessee, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama. Um, kind of about every what everyone expected it to be. You know, you, 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 Oregon lands right where they should be. The top six is kind of what we would expect. And the notable things for me is number one plays number three today or this weekend on Saturday. We've got a Michigan versus Ohio State game that's on the docket later on in the season. And you've also got a potential Tennessee or Georgia will have to play most likely Alabama. So there's losses on the board for Oregon to move up. TCU is number seven out of the Big 12. Um, look, it's not easy, but this is kind of what you were hoping to see. You weren't You weren't hoping to see any surprises in Oregon to be in that 10 or that 11 range uh, and having to you know jump a bunch of teams. But nonetheless, they've got work to do. And it starts on Saturday with Colorado. Really no surprises in your top nine. LSU, no. LSU being 10, a little bit of a surprise. I think he's their 15 in the polls. I'm just – it's funny, Matt. I actually hadn't seen it until you started running through it. So I just pulled it up on Twitter. <laughs> I was uh, – I, I, don't, I don't have the ability to, to stream it. I guess I do, but I just didn't think to do it. Um, yeah, Oregon at eight feels appropriate. This is exactly where they are in the polls. Um, I think it would be really unexpected if they were ahead of any of the undefeated teams from the Power Five conferences or ahead of Alabama based upon who Alabama lost to and how competitive that game was. Um, nothing in the top eight or nine surprises you, and that's probably a good thing. Um, you, of course, if you're an Oregon fan, you'd like to see Georgia maybe as the number one team. They'll have an opportunity to prove that this week if they beat Tennessee. I can almost guarantee you I bet money that they're number one next week. If they beat the current number one team as the third team, as an unbeaten, the defending national champion, there's a lot of reasons that'll be the case. The Pac-12 is very well represented here. You know, oh, 100%. You've, you've got, we've already mentioned a couple of them, but UCLA at 12, Utah at 14. How about Oregon State at 23? Um, I should tell you who you're rooting for on Friday night if you're a Duck fan. Oh, absolutely. It, it, Good. It's Oregon State. I mean, you you – you want that, you know, Washington's not in here. So you want Oregon State to continue to move up in these rankings. So you, you face them. I know you play both teams, but 
Oregon State's got the opportunity to move higher up the board than, than UW does. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to see how close Washington is on here because I bet they're probably in the next three to four after this top 25. Sure. But, no, I yeah, absolutely. And you think about the way this plays out for Oregon. Um, they will play, obviously, not a very good Colorado team. They're playing, they, they will then play a Washington team who's not in these rankings, but who I think if they beat Oregon State, most likely would be, probably right on that fringe. They will then play a Utah team who, if they keep winning, will probably be in that, uh, I don't know, 10 to 12 range or 14th right now. Some teams ahead of them play. LSU will more than likely take a loss to Alabama this weekend. There's a couple other teams here that might lose between, I mean, obviously, uh, Oregon State, sorry, uh, USC and UCLA will play the same week as Utah and Oregon. So there's going to be some movement, some potential for some of these teams to move up and down. Uh, And then Oregon State could foreseeably be in the top 16 18 if they were to win yeah. out from here so those are the teams in the conference you want to win you want all the teams that are ranked basically to win unless they're playing oregon in which case you want them to lose pretty pretty elementary stuff here and we covered i think pretty clearly and, and i think in depthly kind of what you want the rest of the, the way here from a national perspective but you're big Bull, georgia bulldog fans you want them to be the number one seed you want them to be considered the top team in the country because that says hey we lost we lost the best team we lost really ugly but at least it was to the best team in the country that that looks better than if they are two or three um, and i think if they were to win out they would be number one uh, so you're rooting for that and you're rooting for georgia to lose to sorry alabama to lose uh to georgia if they were to face off you're, you're rooting for uh, probably alabama to lose to LSU, even though that would maybe LSU being at 10 maybe scares you a little bit that they could get kind of the mix here. Uh, but you're rooting for the SEC to basically cannibalize itself. And then you said it earlier, you're rooting for Ohio State, Michigan. One of those teams has to be the dominant team in the Big Ten. And probably you're rooting for the other team to pick up a second loss, which feels a little unlikely the West, the West of the schedule has played out. Um, and then you're rooting for TCU to lose, you're rooting for Clemson to lose. Clemson plays Notre Dame this week. Maybe that gets weird. I don't think Notre Dame's been very impressive, so I'm not that sure. And then TCU, you're just hoping, picks up a loss somewhere down the stretch here. But you really just – you don't want any of these. You want as few undefeated teams, and you want the SEC to beat the crap out of each other is basically what you want. And I looked at ESPN this morning. They did a uh, – they used their kind of FPI rankings and, and projected things out. They think if Oregon were to win out and win the conference championship game, uh, that they have a 50% chance of being included. So it's about all you can ask for. It's a yeah, coin flip. 50%? It's a, it's a coin flip from here if you went out to get in. And okay, considering how this season started, and nobody – I mean, remember that podcast we did in Atlanta? We were kind of like, let's see. Let's yeah. get to week six. Let's see if they're pretty good or not. They're clearly very good, better than I think any of us expected. And the fact that these first rankings come out and there's a sense that Oregon has a chance and is eighth in these, I think that's – you take that. Yeah, I mean, just go back to. I mean, I kind of want to go back and listen to that podcast again because yeah. I, I think we said, let's see where Oregon's at with the bye. And then after that, let's see where Oregon's at maybe going into the month of November or the second week of November going into that home stretch. And you look at it and you sit here and, and you look at it and see there is a legitimate path to making the college football playoff for Oregon. And I don't know how many people, I certainly wouldn't have included it. um, Nope. As an option for this team at, at 5 PM on a Saturday, West coast time, week one of the college football season, when we just walk away watching Oregon lose 49 to three. I mean, no, like, yeah. So, so if you're Oregon, look, 
best case scenario, you make the college football. You, you go eleven and one in the regular season. You win the conference championship, and you go twelve and one. Best case, you're in the college football playoff. Worst case scenario, this is the worst case scenario. You're in the Rose Bowl as probably the number five team in the college football playoff rankings. So for Oregon, I think the whole perception of this ranking today, and there's a lot of football left to be played, a lot of big games left to be played for Oregon. But overall feeling for Oregon is, is take care of business, and it's a kind of a win-win situation. Obviously, you want to be in the playoff, but next best thing is the Rose Bowl, and that's that's the worst option if you win out. Yeah, I thought when we had Josh Pate on the podcast, he did a really good job of laying out why this is kind of a win-win-win for Oregon. Of If they lose a game, Dan Lanning can say, hey, look at you guys, we got complacent, we didn't finish up down the stretch, and you can use that in future years for motivation. If you win out and you make the playoff, that's self-explanatory is basically what he said. And if you win out and you get left out, you're going to go play in a Rose Bowl against probably Michigan. I yeah. mean, the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State you know, series will probably be the team that you play. That's going to be a huge marquee game to be up for. And who knows, if you beat that team, you're going to enter next season with a lot of expectations, which I think you will regardless of how this plays out. But you'd have added ammunition going into the next season of saying, look how we finish. We finished as probably a top five, top six kind of team. So, you know, if you take care of business, and that's the big part here, you win your games down the stretch that are in front of you. Colorado feels very, very winnable. You should win that game. You're 31-point uh, favorites for a reason. But after that... Take care of business against Washington, Utah, both games at home. And then you've got the Beavers who are, I mean, shoot, when was the last time you looked up? At the, is this the first time the Beavers have been in the college football playoff rankings? Probably is. Probably so, is, yeah. So that adds a little I bit mean, of that element too. I don't know the history behind that, but I can't think of another year where they were this, they were six and two this late in the year or seven yeah. and one, which never happened, I don't think. Um, and yeah, Eric, it, it could really, I mean, can you imagine the stage that would be set in late November for Thanksgiving weekend with if both these teams went out up until that point, you've got a five or six or, you know, Oregon, and you've got probably a top 15 Oregon State team. Beavers playing for a spot in the Paxo Championship game, probably. Oregon playing for life which is really real at that point for the college football playoff and secondary, the, the, you know, the Rose bowl opportunity, that would be probably the biggest Oregon, Oregon state game since 2009 when it was the war of the roses. And, and you look at Oregon state schedule just on the stretch here, and then we can wrap up. It's tough. You know, it, it's well, they play Washington at Husky stadium, but then it's Cal and it's Arizona state winnable games. I'm just saying they beat. The big game for Oregon State here is can you beat the Huskies in Seattle on Friday, which is a game I'm really excited to tune in. I get into Boulder about 30 minutes after kickoff. I intend on, I think you, me, and Jared will be probably in the hotel. Maybe we'll go find a bar. We're going to watch it, as much of this game as we can. And this game could really determine things for Oregon State and for Washington yep. and for Oregon, kind of like who's the next, you know, who, who's kind of the big dog remaining on the schedule aside from Utah. So it uh, should be a really fun week. I think Oregon, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, I think Oregon's ranked appropriately. Eight feels perfectly fine with me. I would have been surprised if they were ahead of anybody that's ahead of them. And if they were behind USC, I'd probably have a little bit of a gripe there, um, just given who's beaten who and and, and all that. So I, I, I don't have any issues with Oregon at eight. 
Absolutely. No issues for me either. Um, we'll have more reaction from the college football playoff throughout the rest of the month of November, as long as Oregon still is alive for that discussion point. We'll have more reaction from Oregon later this week on the podcast. I'm sure we'll ask Dan about it. I'm sure we'll ask some players about it at practice on Wednesday. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to this later than normal Tuesday edition of the Odds and Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you there, folks. Peace.